0: This week on Dig Me Out, Turn over every rock for clues of what it is to fit me. And I never know what's going on, but I'm sad. And I guess. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minici.
1: Jay, this week, we are back with another one of our. Patreon 12 month anniversary reviews. It's uh, getting to be that time of year where folks have put in the uh, dedication of uh, sticking with us for 12 months at the 250 level, and uh, they get to pick their their album review. And we're excited to uh, to talk about Brendan Benson's One Mississippi. Also, want to mention Jay that um, we're going to be talking about uh, some new equipment that we got our hands on we're gonna be mentioning that during the show we were uh, fortunate enough to uh be contacted by a company called studio in sweden and they do some headphones and uh quite honestly jay i've been desperately in need of some new headphones so (laughs) i haven't i haven't upgraded since as i mentioned before the podcast uh 2011 when we started the podcast, it's the last time I bought headphones. They were twenty five dollars at Best Buy. They were, and I've also used earbuds from the free ones that you get when you buy a phone. So I'm not rocking the most high end equipment. <laughs> uh, well, I'll compensate for that. I'm. a bit
0: of a headphone geek. I know you are. We'll we'll provide the full spectrum here on the studio.
1: Exactly. uh,
0: Regents, the studio Regents that we've been trying out.
1: Yes. So to talk about the album that he picked, welcome back to the show, a a veteran of the show, Mr. Keith Sawyer. Welcome back.
2: Feels like I've been waiting a year for this. Jeez.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How do you you, uh, pick a record when you have a whole year to think about it?
2: Yeah. For me, I... Like I said in the initial email that I sent you, I was like, "Do we want to go for a worthy album, or do we want to go for an EP here, or do we just want to like drive this thing right into the ground and go for like a single?"
0: (laughs) I'm glad that you picked up on the spirit of the show.
2: (laughs) These aren't (laughs) all. We went we went for the worthy album. That's what I'm going for today. We'll see if we achieve it.
1: Well, I got to ask Jay because I was only moderately familiar with Brendan Benson's work as a solo artist. Um, obviously, he's, I think, more well known as being the co-leader of the Raconteurs with with Jack White. And they they scored a pretty big hit single with Steady As She Goes in the early 2000s. Um, and I, I remember prior to that, I think it was prior to that, he had released the um, Alternative to Love album, which had Spit It Out and... Another single off of it, and I I liked it enough to, I think, buy the CD used when I found it, Um, but I never really got into the rest of his catalog. I maybe have listened to some singles here or there or some tracks on Spotify, but this is the first time I've really seriously dug into one of his records. Jerry, did you listen to Brendan Brendan Benson before this? Uh,
0: I like the rock on tours quite a bit, but this is, um, I think the first I have listened to the solo stuff. I don't, I I mean, the name is familiar. He was familiar. I suppose I've could have heard some things here and there over the years, but, uh, had never really spent any time with it.
1: Okay. And Keith, when did you, uh, first discover Brendan? Was it on this, uh, debut album or was it later?
2: Uh, it was on this record. You know, I was definitely, at that time, I think I had just started at WMBR, college radio station. And just like all the other records that come in, you know, kind of every week, this big mailing comes in with all these different CDs. And I always have my ears open for the power pop. So I didn't know who he was before that. I knew who Jason Faulkner was, who co wrote some of the songs on this record. Uh, he was a member of Jellyfish, a member of the Graves, so that definitely piqued my interest when I saw that on mm-hmm. the on the CD.
1: Okay. Now we did get some feedback from our Patreon subscribers. You can of course join us at Patreon.com forward slash Dig Me Out. The 250 level is full, thanks to our recent and uh, mo- our last of the open slots. Matthew Barnes joined us at the 250 level. Uh, you can join us at the Woo! one you can join us at the one dollar level though Davey bright just joined us at the one dollar level and that gets you all of the uh uh behind the scenes intrigue and uh, information that uh we disseminate through our patreon page you're gonna get to vote on some upcoming records that we're gonna do in the coming months and you're gonna get access to bonus materials, and uh, anybody who's a Patreon subscriber gets in entered into our quarterly contest, like the one we just had for the oversized coffee mug. Congratulations to insert name of winner here. Uh, I don't know because we recorded this episode just before the end of the month, and but it's airing just after the end of the month. So it's in that yeah, awkward... I was really
2: hoping I was going to win, too.
1: Yes. Or... Congratulations on winning! We'll it's it's now
2: in MugShare where I work.
1: Yeah, you, we, this is like Schrodinger's mug because you could have either won or not won. We don't know
2: right now. The odds are saying I, I'm not going to win, but I, I could have gotten lucky. You could have.
1: So let's what, uh, let's get over to Patreon and see what uh, some folks had to say. Whitney Beeler, yay! Uh, Got some comments, said, I bought this back in 1996 when it was first released, probably because of the Jason Faulkner connection and thinking it had a chance to be jellyfish number three. My recollection of One Mississippi is that it kicked off with T, a short but awesome little uh, bit of jellyfish greatness. I also paid attention, a little bit of attention to Bird's Eye View, me just purely imaginary girl at the time, but overall, I remember being underwhelmed. So he went back and listened to it, and he said, Turns out I recalled the words to nearly every song, well, at least two-thirds of them. How did I block this? Block out my obvious appreciation for this album all these years? Now I've listened to this thing three times today. The first time I heard it today, I was like, boy, this album starts strong, and it never let up. It looks like I found a lost love. Congratulations, Whitney. I feel like this is like the uh, the back of the newspaper where it's misconnections." And he just he just met up with an old flame. That was uh, that's I pretty thought cool.
2: That was the goal of "Dig Me Out"?
1: It is. Well, sometimes it's it's not so good. Sometimes, yeah, when, uh, yeah. Sometimes it's a decent single. Peter Hirsch says I really like the rack on tours, and I wanted to check out Benson's solo stuff, hoping to really like it just as much. So I went to the library here in Portland, and by chance found this album while looking through the liner notes. I was happily surprised to see that Jason Faulkner co wrote and performed on the album. Actually, I was stoked as I'm a huge Faulkner fan. I think you'll find uh, this room, this virtual room is full of Faulkner fans. Um, I was also excited because that meant that Benson was a Jellyfish fan. Unfortunately, I feel like One Mississippi only works when Jason Faulkner is the co-writer of the songs, but it lacks when it's just Benson writing. Um, he Benson might be a better songwriter now, but in the beginning, I really think he needed other people to punch up his songs which is how I feel about the first Rock on Tours album as well. Benson needed Jack White's contributions to make the song stronger, and Jack needed to learn that a pop song can be fun. Whoa. little shade Mm -hmm. thrown at Jack White there. Not the first time, probably. I have tried a few times to listen to One Mississippi all the way through, but I just can't. I actually had to split the album in two versions, the Faulkner version and the Benson version, which helps a lot. Looking forward to hearing your opinions on this one. That's an interesting decision to split the album between the two types of songs. Briefly, Brendan Benson's from uh, Michigan, uh, for people who don't know. Actually from Royal Oak, Michigan. This album was released as debut solo record in 1996, September of 96. So it's just 21 years old now. It can drink. And uh, besides releasing a whole bunch of solo records... The aforementioned Alternative Love came out in 2005, but before that, there was lapalco Lapa, Co. in 2002, Bro, um, My Old Familiar Fan in 2009, What Kind of World in 2012, and You Were Right in 2013. Uh, he also did the two albums with the tours He's done a bunch of singles, including one that just came out. He's working on a new record. He's also done a lot of producing for a bunch of other bands, The Greenhorns, And uh, he worked on the Loretta Lynn album from 2004 and uh, some other bands. So he's kind of been, uh, in the last couple years, more focused on, I guess, recording and engineering other artists rather than uh, putting out records. So the new single is an indication of new material to come. He also started his own record label, Ready Made Records. Let's talk about One Mississippi. Jay, I'm going to go to you first. Go! Yes! let's do it since you were the you were experiencing this for the first time brendan benson solo for the first time tell me jay one thing that you liked about one mississippi
0: well this is in my sweet spot i gotta say i mean you've got a lot of artists that he's worked with that i like quite a bit specifically from a production angle i think all those faulkner jellyfish are you talking about the greenhorns from cincinnati is that the same greenhorns
2: I yeah po- and they're also yeah. there are members in the rock and tours the other two members are yep. green horns yep
0: who we we saw live i don't remember that tim um that's right so a lot of yeah i got a lot of good points of reference there um so the thing i like the most is the production i think this record sounds really good i think it sounds unique uh the production holds up very well i don't think you would know this record was released in 1996 um it could have been released in 1976 or 1966 or 2006 um, Yeah, it sort of has a classic sound to it in it but it's still a very interesting production a lot of layers a lot of uh, use of panning um to create space you know listen to this on the the headphones we've been trying out the, the studios it, the sound stage is great like you really kind of get pulled into the songs because it feels like you're in the room with them um, mm-hmm. whether that be literally like one mic on a guy hand clapping to, you know, a, a close mic guitar that's right up in your ear, to maybe a drum kit that's distant and panned to the left. I mean, you really feel like you're kind of in the room, moving around, and kind of recording the record with them. So, for that, from that standpoint, um I, I really if nothing else. I mean, we'll kind of get into the songwriting and I think a lot of the other details of this record. I, it's really uh, pulled in by the production, and just from that alone, it's a fun listen.
2: Yeah, yeah. and I should note, this, this record was taken away from Jason Faulkner, who produced the demos, and was given to Ethan James, who's probably best known for um, the Minutemen, Double Nickels on the Dime. He was the producer for that. So, and we could talk about the difference between the demos and the album. It's not a lot, but uh, he definitely makes the sound crisper. I would, I would totally agree with Jay.
1: Yeah, there's... In terms of the one thing that I like, I mean, I think that the Jellyfish, Jason Faulkner touchstones are there. I mean, I also hear like classic, like Alex Chilton, Big Star, power pop sensibilities just in terms of, and and a lot of it is because of the fact that he's so quick to getting to the point of the songs. They're not necessarily as hooky as some of those classic Big Star or Jellyfish songs, but they're melodic from start to finish I think he didn't and, and you know it's his first record he didn't get to the killer choruses until at least I think with um, some of the stuff he did in the 2000s and on the rack tours albums but every one of these songs if you listen to this album and then go look at the song titles you hear where those hooks are and those lyrics are and where those lines are and they they're kind of stuck into your head Jay bouncing off what you said i i really enjoyed the variance in terms of the songwriting where they would take a song and have like there's one song that has almost like a, a latin sort of feel to the rhythm i'm trying to remember which one
2: yeah it has there's sort of a is flamenco almost uh yeah the, the solo in that is almost flamenco style
1: yeah that's the one emma j it has just it's just gorgeously produced Jay, we mentioned at the top of the show that we are working with Studio out of Sweden on a pair of Regent headphones that they have sent to us. We are testing them out for the month of October as our new go-to headphones for the show. I want to mention that if you the listener at home are interested in picking up a pair, you can go to studiosweden.com. You can check them out on studio sweden on Facebook and Instagram. And you can use the dig me out code for 15% off your purchase. That's it's a one word dig me out 15. It'll be on the website as well as a link. Uh, I think Jay, we're going to talk about this at, all through the month. But um, I think the first impressions are uh, really good headphones. Would you agree?
0: I would. I was really impressed. Very nice box, very nice packaging. So yep. You sort of get the whole apple experience but i think what i like most so for folks who, who like 90s music and just to say rock music recorded before probably you know 2000 let's say 2005 it's really good in that they're they're nice and balanced there's not they're not too bassy they're not too troubly yep they got a really nice sound stage so it feels like you know you can perceive space and you feel like you're in the room um so it sounds great for rock music so i've been a good sign of a good headphone is and a good mix overall is the louder you turn it the better it sounds so with these i've been really enjoying uh you know that everything's crisp and balanced and clear and i'm overall build quality is nice we got the bluetooth model so yeah very comfortable and i buy a lot of headphones probably more than i would want to admit (laughs) (laughs) these are the first on ear that i bought i don't know if you've you probably have used on-ear in the past, right? So it, on-ear means it doesn't go over your ear, it just sits on top of it.
1: Right. I've been using over-ear ones prior to this, as right. well as earbuds. So this is my first on-ear.
0: Me too. I tend to get either over-ear or actual in-ear kind. Right. But these are a nice balance cuz um I feel like I'm uh, I don't it doesn't pick up a lot of outside noise cuz I like the over-ear cuz it really blocks out noise well. Right. But I had these on I couldn't hear anything outside of the music. I was kind of shocked at how quiet they were.
1: They and I was using these in my living room with the TV on, my daughter sitting and watching TV and it did block out the TV. So I was I was happy cuz I didn't have to listen to sing for the 15th time yeah. uh, that she was watching it. And the other thing that I liked is you know the fact that you can connect these via both the auxiliary cord or you can go mm-hmm. the Bluetooth route which you mentioned and the fact that they have a battery, so you can you can run these for 24 hours, which is nice. I don't know. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to use them for 24 hours because I would, you know, I I haven't been awake for 24 hours straight since I was in college. But <laughs> you can. And then also you can charge them and then just leave them. And I think it's like, I think the notes said it up to 20 days you have of, of just having them on standby. Yeah. So if you don't pick them up, you don't have to like instantly recharge them. They'll be ready to go for at least 20 days which is nice because I don't necessarily pick up my phones my headphones all the time and use them um, and we'll talk a little bit about this more throughout the month but um, you know I use them for listening to the records obviously and I've definitely heard a, a big difference between what I was listening to before and after I kind of feel like I need to go back and start over with all these albums because the listening quality is a little bit different but then we'll get into it, like I use them for recording the show as well and then also editing. As we get into the month, I'll get into a little bit how that has affected my sound, my hearing with these.
0: Well, I'll just end on this is why I'm addicted to headphones, because when you get a good pair of headphones, the first thought you have is, oh my god, I gotta go back and listen to all these albums again.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm experiencing it in a whole different way. I think that's right. the coolest part about headphones is that because it's so intimate and they're also different, that it allows you to experience the same music almost for the first time again. So,
1: right. Cool. All right. We've talked enough about this. Uh, st- Studiosweden.com. That's S U D I O Sweden.com. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. You can use the Dig Me Out 15, 15% off code. Go to our website and you can find the code and the link. i don't know that i necessarily agree with the criticism that it's it falls flat when he's on his own or what's it's you know as blatant uh a um Faulkner joint in terms of the songs that he wrote or co-wrote i should say because i think that he brendan Benton shows his i guess diversity of um influences and when he does songs like that i don't feel like and I was worried because when you sent the um, original email, you mentioned about how can you spot the Beatles riffs? I, it wasn't as noticeable to me, and maybe you want to elaborate when you're you know getting into this record a little bit. but it was I mean, all power pop kind of you know starts with the Beatles and people trying to write you know poppy Beatlesque songs. So uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about that comment and then your overall sort of likes about this record. And uh, we can get into uh, sort of the deeper into it.
2: Yeah, I think I think the two most overt ones, and I'm blessed. There's a there's a direct Taxman swipe, you know, which I think every single power pop band is is taking a little bit of Taxman for their own. The other one, it was really bothering me last night. Got No Secrets. There's that break in Got No Secrets where it goes near 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 near. And I was like, that's the Beatles. So I went and I asked my wife and I played it for her. And she goes, that's not the Beatles, that's the Monkeys. That's Last Train to Clarksville.
1: Uh, and then uh, I went uh. and I
2: played them back to back. And the whole Got No Secrets is Last Train to Clarksville. Even kind of the reggae sound to it is in Last Train uh, to Clarksville. And I was like, uh, I thought that was a Beatles reference the um, whole time. It was the Monkeys."
0: I could I could hear that. Yeah, I was going to be, Wow, uh, The Monkees yeah. definitely came up with my notes, but I didn't. It was more uh, fleeting. I couldn't really grab onto a moment. So
2: yeah, if you if you play those two songs back to back, it just it leaps right out to you that you know okay that, that's what they were listening to.
1: <laughs> you know, now that you say but, it, uh, like, for me, I, I can't believe the I didn't points it. that
2: you two brought up are the first two points that I have, which is exactly what Jay said. It has that classic power pop sound. It could have been re- recorded in in the seventies. It could have been recorded you know, two years ago, and it, it still has a very fresh sound to it, even though it's 21 years old. I get, and there's a lot of unique details in the production. The more you listen to it, the more you hear these things. Like, I think, Jay, you mentioned the hand claps as well. There's these little sporadic moments, like hand claps and things like that, that they'll come in, and you'll expect them to continue, or you'll expect them to show up in the chorus, and they'll disappear Yep. you know or backing vocals that'll pop in really casually and then suddenly disappear you know and it's those types of things that you know nerdy power pop fans like myself like you hear it and you're just ex- expecting a certain pattern and when they subvert it uh it, it makes it kind of unique
0: great point I, lo- I love that too i love when it's you don't see something coming and then you get start to get familiar with it and then yeah they pull it out and it doesn't come back in the way you expect and i think the harmonies are used in this record in a couple spots where it's uh not not what you expect at all but it works really well um i even think there's uh like a song like emma J, which is actually one of my favorites on the record um it's got this weird like high-pitched i don't know what it is a keyboard or something it's like this uh, yeah I'm talking about there's
2: a keyboard in that and the one right after an insect's rule does the exact same thing where it has this weird kind of burbling keyboard in the background that you right. don't hear it at first but you've got very people and better beware yeah. gather up your idols and begin to prepare the time has come the locusts have taken the air yeah. negotiations aren't vain the bugs don't
0: And torches look bright I'm feeling flies covered it just creates this cool atmosphere that to me like makes the song it, it kind of makes the song period like it, it it gives us this weird eerie quirk almost to the point of to me there's parts in mj where i'm like oh this kind of sounds like radiohead's poppier moments where you know radiohead had that you know they they were bordering on a pop band but they had this sort of dark underbelly to them that came through through either minor keys or weird instrumentation like that and there's moments on this record especially with a song like emma j where you're like oh it's kind of this cool eerie thing that i'm not expecting from a kind of a power pop record that's you know for the most part pretty fun um it just does a really good job of using instruments to create some contrast that i think is unexpected
2: and and you you said the word dark there and that's another thing i had in there it's it's an upbeat power pop record a lot of the subject matter when you actually dive into the lyrics is pretty dark
1: well yeah because um uh, what's one of the songs
2: like sitting pretty is yeah i mean especially for that to be one of the lead-off songs i mean it's very misogynist he's playing a character obviously and it's a it's sort of an allegory there but still if you take it at face value um you know, it's it's not a pleasant song. You know, uh, Me Just Pl- Purely is another one that you just mentioned. He's, you know, he's basically stating, I've screwed up my life, but I want to, you know, I want to try and get back on track. You know, uh, there's, there's a lot of just these really little dark moments in different songs. Insects Rule is obviously, it's, it plays like a 70s drive-in movie.
1: That has that, that weird, I can't tell if it's a keyboard or if it's like a, a guitar that's got... A ton of effects processed on it but it's like warbling in and out in different parts of the songs where it sounds like it sounds like they were trying to make the sounds of insects (laughs) i don't know i don't know what's going on i think
2: i think it's a keyboard but you're right it it could be a guitar
0: do we know who plays um like drums on this record is it a consistent drummer or like what was the band makeup for this recording do we know
2: i believe Well, I go ahead. It was just one guy. I think it was just one guy. My CD is not here in the room with me.
1: I can I can tell you. Um, so, Brendan Benson is pretty much handling the guitars and vocals, and then the backing vocals. Michael Andrews plays some bass and does some backing vocals, and then um, Woody Saunders plays drums, percussion. Um, he also gets credited with trash receptacles and ashtrays.
2: <laughs> and then... it is one of those things that, if you compare the Jason Faulkner demos to you know the eventual album that was recorded by Ethan James, the drums, to me, are the biggest difference between the two. The drums have a very kind of tin pan sound in in Jason Faulkner's version, and they're very they're very back. They're very reedy. Versus in in uh, you know in the final recording they, they have a much stronger presence.
0: Yeah, they they have a ton of personality too. I mean, this isn't uh, on the high at least on the high energy stuff. Uh, if it, it sounds like he's like maybe plays with like traditional grip. So if you're like jazz drummers uh, hold their sticks differently than rock drummers do. Which when you listen to the fills, he like does these really like frantic like fast snare fills and stuff and. It starts to almost border on a like Keith Moon feel sometimes with how bombastic, and just snappy the playing is. Um, it brings a ton of personality to the record for me. In some cases, it provides the energy on some of those uh, more up tempo songs. I mean, it's it's really driving things and kind of bringing a sense of fun as well, um, just through the drum performance.
1: See, that's interesting because when I looked up Woody Saunders for credits. Um, This is pretty much the only one. There's another one for an EP for a band called Discipline that came out in 2013. And then there was a 7-inch that came out in 1995 for a band called Supple. But this is the only album he's credited on, at least on Discogs. Michael Saunders, who played bass, uh, lead singer of The Origin, Jay, who we reviewed last year. Film composer. I I didn't know that. Yeah. I really like that record. And I, I believe that we po- we had a positive experience with that record too. And good,
0: good, good bass playing on the record as well, on this record as well.
2: Yeah. It's funny there are a couple of tracks on this that have an organ sound to it that to me felt Tom Petty ish, but that origin record has a ton of that organ sound on it as well.
1: Yeah. Hmm. So interesting uh, cross pollination between uh, uh, various uh, Dig Me Out reviews over the years from the grace to the origin to now this. Um, Jay, was there a stuff that didn't work for you on the record?
0: Yeah. I mean, I got to say the second half of the record, I didn't like as much. It felt like really the last song that, that I have highlighted is really enjoying as Emma J. And I think after that insects rule, while I can appreciate the concept, it starts to, I start to crass, scratch my head on where's this record going. And then from there, uh, it just it becomes a little less interesting for me. And I don't know if it's, you know, it seems like there's a lot more acoustic songs that start to happen. Maybe the tempo comes down. Um, there's just something about it that it starts to lose its sense of fun and energy on uh, the second half of the record. And I, I also think it's a little, like, even though the songs are sh- very short, there's something about, I feel like the beginning of the record is very, like, tightly sequenced and the songs bleed one into another and they really, like... Mm-hmm play well off of each other and then it feels like it starts to get to a territory of like it becomes unfocused halfway through the record for me and i don't know if that's just fatigue in that you know they're throwing so much at you that it, even though the songs are short and there's not a ton of songs on the album because there's like so many melodies and so many layers and so many textures um and ver- so much variety i also felt like I got a little fatigued halfway through the record. So the second half for me, just in general, was um, not quite as fun as the first half.
1: I kind of hear what you're saying. I think that the, the second half fails a little bit because of the fact that when you start out, those first three songs feel like they were all written together. Like, they go they go so well together. Uh, like, T into Bird's Eye View, especially. The sequencing, like you said, is it's like perfect on the first half, and then... It does seem to like just kind of bounce around from song to song as opposed to feeling like a cohesive statement.
0: And like Insects Rule, I think I would like, but then it's followed with Imaginary Girl, which is probably the most generic sounding uninspired song on the record. So I'm like, that's where I guess started to scratch my head. OK, where are we going? He went with this really ambitious kind of cinematic song with insects rule and conceptual and then all of a sudden we get to imaginary girl and it's it sounds uninspired and a bit flat so that's where i think the moment for me the record starts to become spotty not to say there's not some good moments in the in the remaining songs but um you know the last couple there i'm I'm struggling to regain the energy that the album starts with and i think one
2: of my favorite songs is house in virginia which is either the second or the third to the end depending on whether you count the secret track there or not but house in virginia is one of those kind of slower songs but when you listen to the songwriting of it i think it's, it's kind of clever how he's just it's just this list of all of these things emma comes up again in that song it's just this list of all these things that he's trying to tempt emma to come back and live with him in this house and she clearly is kind of straying away uh, i just like i think it's a very cleverly written song Every shape, every size, your favorite designs. White flawed enamel pots, and a place on. But I would say for me the biggest weakness I I find is is the lyrical repetition. I think there's certain songs where he really hangs on the chorus or will really hang on a phrase. Uh, Got No Secrets being the worst. It's that that phrase is repeated twenty eight times in the song. You know, and even like in the song <laughs> Cross Eyed, he repeats that chorus ten times, you know, uh the chorus, the cross-eyed, and it pops up in other songs as well where it's like eight, ten times he's repeating a phrase or he's repeating, which suggests underwritten, and it gets back to that comment of Faulkner versus non-Faulkner, but you know, some of the Faulkner songs have that same weakness of repetition. Maybe he added it afterwards, though when you listen to the demos, the Faulkner demos versus the, the final, there's no real change in structure. There's no real change in, in lyrics in the songs. It's just more some of the execution.
1: Interesting. And I, yeah. I agree with Cross-Eyed because that song's probably a minute too long at, at four and a half minutes, which is easily yeah. the longest I, song in the
2: record. That's exactly what I have written. I was like, you could have faded this out a, month, oh, a minute earlier. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's funny you mentioned Got No Secrets. And uh, my note on that was at the end, it's like, this is kind of getting jammy. I didn't quite know where I where that was coming from. It was between like the the reggae guitar and then I think yep. the kind of like lazy the lazy feel of it and then that repeating of the, that line so much that at by the end of it I was like I feel like I'm at a fish concert or something.
2: Like what's, yeah, it or has Jack the most Johnson prominent or uh, or, it has the most prominent organ in it as well.
1: Now, what's interesting about this record is that after it went through the the Faulkner Uh, sessions and then I guess was taken away from him and and Ethan Johns got it and I don't know what what all happened there but it got released in September of 96 didn't sell well it was released on Virgin Records and Brendan Benson got dropped from Virgin and he didn't release another record for six years Uh, he released La Palco in um, February of uh, 2002 on the Star Time International Labeled. Now, he did also work with Jason Faulkner on that record as well. Yep. LaPolco being the acronym of Louisiana Power and Light Company for anybody who's uh curious. I believe that's where, you know, in terms of recognition, that's where I think Benson started to get some critical acclaim was on that record from, you know, reading on like AllMusic and Pitchfork and some of the other websites. It seemed like, the first one, and you know, again, this is 1996. You're releasing a power pop record. Not many people are doing well with power pop in the mid 90s. It's about it's like Matthew Sweet and nobody else, because you know Jellyfish are gone by this point, right? And uh, there's no one really carrying the power pop pop torch in the 90s. It's a it's a hard sell. I can understand in 1996. I understand why maybe this didn't do as well. And then also maybe he's not as developed as a songwriter as he would need to be with this first record so um, any other insights on why this maybe didn't do as well in 96 uh, as it should have considering I think overall we kind of all like the record but apparently didn't connect with the uh, audiences or salespeople back in 96
2: uh, yeah I would agree with you that you know as a commercial venture power pops you know, the bloom was kind of off the rose. If He had been on, I don't know if Big Deal Records was still around at that time, but if he had been on maybe more of a power pop boutique label, uh, I think the record might have done a little bit better. It, you know, it wouldn't have had a chance to be as big of a seller, but it might have had more critical acclaim. And instead, I mean, he had to take, what, five years off in order to extract himself from the Virgin deal so that he could put out his own, you know, his own thing. Right. Uh, I'm sure that time, you know... It, he was... Lepalco definitely shows it. It's, it's a better record than this one. It's super polished. It's strong from stem to stern. Um, I think it's his best record that he's done. You know, So at least he had the time to kind of let that germinate.
1: Alright, let's talk about our overall ratings on this record. I'm curious about this. Where we're going to land. Uh, were the album better EP... Or Decent Single. Now, Keith, you came into this expecting us to, uh, to go with Worthy Album. Are you still at a Worthy Album for this record?
2: I'm, I'm still at a the Worthy Album. I know. Just spending some time with it over the past couple of days and listening to it, I, I agree with Whitney. It just comes back to you like an old friend. Um, it's got that classic sound. It's got, uh, you know, the, the songs do have those memorable elements to them. And when you listen to them again, it kind of, it pops and you, it's one of those albums as you listen to it more, you're always finding new things in it. So it, it still works for me.
1: Jay, where do you land on the scale where the album, better EP or decent single?
0: Well, I'm at, I got six songs that I really like. So to be fair, I'm going to go with a EP but I don't think the remaining songs um, are far off. There's just something about it that doesn't quite hold together as a complete record for me. And I think as a five or six song EP, it's a powerhouse.
1: Interesting. I'm going to go with Keith. I think if you trim three songs, I think then or I'm not counting the hidden track as one of those. I'm, I'm saying this is a 13 tra- a track album and I could go down to 10. I think I'd be at 10 solid songs because I think then the back half of the record becomes a bit more concise and I'm not quite as off-put the same way as I am with the ups and downs of the back half of the record. But if I think if you chop uh, Cherries, Imaginary Girl, and Insects Rule, I think you've got a pretty strong record. Because then you I, go from Emma to House in Virginia and – I think yeah, and those
2: two songs really thematically belong together. I yeah. think I think there is a little sequencing problem there towards the end,
0: and and that's consistent with the timeless part too, right? I mean, if this, I think that's the only thing that makes this record not uh, that would date it is just the length. You know, yeah. if it was released in nineteen seventy six, there would be nine, eight to ten songs on it, and that's it. There wouldn't be thirteen songs. So, yep, I think it would have been really really cool if it would been released that way
1: agreed keith thank you for bringing this record to our attention this was a um a hole in our listening uh catalog so get ready for uh the next 12 we're interested to hear uh, maybe we'll get to the other one after uh in, in 2018 fall of 2018 oh, yeah.
2: I, I think I've got 12 months to think of another album that's, that's going to get Jay over to the worthy side here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you need to start with a list of a of hundred and every couple days, just delete one, delete one, delete one.
2: The thing I went back, I have a spreadsheet back from, you know, when the nineties closed, I made a list of my top 100 albums of, uh, of the nineties and I was kind of going through it and trying to pick out, okay, which ones would really work for this.
0: Hmm. Well, well, we appreciate the pick and uh, it was a good one
2: Yeah And I appreciate, I mean, just to, to pat your backs, uh, I mean it's the reason why I listen to the podcast I tend to always approach things from the you know, I need the one sheet, I need to know, you know what I'm getting into before I even start listening to a record you know, I need to know what it sounds like, I need to know is it the first album, the fourth album, what's the, pro- the producer on it, so on Whereas I think you tend to have more of an approach. You approach it like musicians, which I don't do. And you're so focused on kind of that performance aspect of it. Uh, and that it's, you always bring up points that I'm like, wow, oh, I didn't even think about that. So thanks for the, everything that you do.
1: That's called getting lost in the minutia. <laughs> 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 no, thanks. We appreciate that. And I think I, uh, I, I hope that that's why uh, people tune in because we have uh a, I guess a point of view that people uh, find interesting. So, hopefully, that's why we have those twenty-seven uh, Patreon subscribers at the two hundred and fifty level. All the folks who are willing to uh, throw us a few through bo- few bones to keep this thing alive. So, we appreciate that. What were we going to say, Jay? Before I cut you off.
0: Uh, well, I, I, we were thinking about. Uh, I think we're going to close that level. So. Oh,
1: it's closed. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, good. Nobody, so we, nobody we, can
2: join that level. Currently.
0: So if you're in there now, you're grandfathered in and it won't be
1: opened again. So
2: like you like you mentioned, it's like having Packers season tickets. <laughs> yeah. Exactly I'm However, you, not giving mine up.
1: You can still join us at the one dollar level and let me tell you, uh, for the fourth quarter contest, I already have the prize and it kicks ass. Let me just say, it's it's a super cool prize for fourth quarter. So I suggest that people uh stay tuned because i'll probably announce that earlier than most times because i'm uh i'm happy i got a hold of something to give away that's super cool for the fourth quarter prize the end of the year 2017 prize for dig me out so all you got to do is just put in a buck and then you're in and that's it so um we need to thank keith for the suggestion we need to thank Peter and Whitney for the comments on this episode over at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash dig me out. If you like what you heard, consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes and that's it for Jay. I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out.
0: Thanks for listening to support the podcast. Visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out. And become a monthly subscriber or request a review at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com.
2: I can't wait to get you.